When Stack Overflow launched in 2008, it lowered the barrier to writing complex software. It solved the long-standing problem of accessing accurate and reliable programming knowledge by offering a collaborative space where programmers could ask questions, share insights, and receive high-quality answers from a community of experts. Generative AI has changed the way programmers want to access this knowledge. It has also opened new possibilities for getting personalized and real-time assistance with coding. Stack Overflow recently announced Overflow AI, which is a collection of generative AI solutions to enhance their user experiences. Ellen Brandenberger leads the product innovation team at Stack Overflow, where she is focused on building, deploying, and testing these AI solutions. She joins us in this episode. This episode of Software Engineering Daily is hosted by Sean Falconer. Check the show notes for more information on Sean's work and where to find him. Ellen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. How about we start with some basics? Who are you? What do you do? And how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Ellen Brandenberger. I'm currently the Director of Product Innovation at Stack Overflow. Um, so I have a long-term background in product management, um, you know, particularly kind of like in education products, but also um, working on, you know, things that help folks solve problems and find solutions to their problems. Um, so I've done a lot with kind of like skills-based um, learning and adult, you know, resources and knowledge management over my career. Um, and so that's a big theme in my career, but also, you know, helping work with startups and helping work on early stage products. Um, I got the opportunity to really combine those, those sort of three themes. So product management, knowledge management, um, and uh, early stage products with my role at Stack Overflow. So my role at Stack Overflow is really, um, you know, I lead a team that thinks about, you know, what are the unmet problems um, for developers and software engineers within our ecosystem? And how do we start to identify which problems are most painful, which have the biggest opportunities um, for software engineers if we solve them? Uh, and then how do we go about discovering and delivering the right solutions to those problems that really add value um, for our community and for our customers? Yeah, I actually started my engineering career in the e-learning space. So working on like uh, uh, learning management systems for for different, uh, you know, B2B businesses and stuff like that. You know, that was like 20 years ago. But it's... I was going to say, I think like the industry has both come a long way and also has still a long way to go. So it's a fun space. It must be, I, I imagine, rewarding uh, working at a company like Stack Overflow, where I feel like generally, at least my impression is, most people have in the engineering community have a pretty like positive reaction to Stack Overflow. Like I, I, I'm sure there's some you know people out there that are disgruntled for whatever reason, but like I think generally the impression I get is that most people are like, oh, this is like such a great thing and resource for me, and and I'm sure that it's rewarding to work on a product that is generally positively received. Yeah, I think that's really fun. Um, you know, so I always sort of joke. There's two reactions to Stack Overflow. One is from developers and folks in the community, which is much like what you just described. Like, oh, you work for Stack Overflow? I've used you guys so many times. I use you every single day. I love the product. Or the other reaction is from people who don't work in tech, which is usually a bit, what is Stack Overflow? What do you do? Right. So it's a bit of an extreme in either direction, but it's really rewarding, I think, to describe um, what that looks like for folks who don't know. And then for folks who do have that positive reaction, it's really fun to have a conversation about how Stack Overflow impacted them and, and what it meant for their career or their own development. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a product that has uh, such an impact on like the engineering industry where everybody basically knows what Stack Overflow is. Yet, as soon as you move outside of that, nobody knows really probably like my mom and dad don't know what Stack Overflow is, for example. Yeah, typically those questions are from my parents. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I want to talk about you know, some of the stuff that's going on in the world of uh, generative AI and, and the impact that's having on software engineering and also get into some of the things that are coming out new at Stack Overflow that relate to this space. But, you know, one of the things that I saw in the recent Stack Overflow developer survey is that 83% of the respondents said that they've used ChatGPT. And there's, of course, tools like GitHub Copilot and a ton of other innovations that are happening in the Gen AI space. And I wanted to start off with what are your thoughts on how generative AI is going to impact the software engine, uh, the software engineering industry? Yeah, I think um, the the data point you just pointed out is a really important one, right? Um, ChatGPT has come onto the scene really, really quickly and, and been both a disruptive force to the industry overall, but also sort of uh, encouraged a lot of us to ask questions that we wouldn't ask otherwise, right? Um, uh, so, you know, in our developer survey that we ran earlier this year, we we also asked, um, you know, developers, like, do you trust and do you plan to use AI, right? And so 70% of our developers in our community do plan to use AI in the near future, um, but only 42% of folks trust those resources, right? Um, and so, as we look at the broader space, right, our thesis kind of at Stack Overflow comes around AI comes down to a couple things. Number one is it sort of lowers the barrier to entry to developing software in some way, shape, or form, right? Um, you know, I think uh, you know Ben Popper, who is our director of content, wrote a great blog recently, which is basically his experience kind of hacking together an app as a non-developer um, using ChatGPT and using other Gen AI resources out there, right? So folks like Ben or others in the sort of broader technology space might have more of an opportunity um, to leverage code or leverage development skills um, in their day-to-day -day work, right? That also means that folks who are already in the industry have a new set of tools, right? So uh, mid-level folks, senior folks can start to leverage technologies like generative AI um, to either accelerate their work, accelerate finding solutions to the problems they face in their work, or accelerating sort of those mundane tasks um, that really they'd rather not focus on and instead give us time back to, to really think about the hard engineering problems. Um, so broadly, my thesis is kind of like, you know, I expect it to be make the industry more accessible, but I also expect that the industry uh, becomes bigger and more fragmented kind of as a result, right? What a developer is doesn't necessarily look one-to-one -one with how we talk about that today in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, um, you know, that's something that I also have thought a lot about is how does this sort of change the definition of a developer? And you mentioned this idea of like lowering the barrier to entry, you know, these like emerging AI based programming system tools, like they really help democratize some parts of software development. If you look at platforms like Snowflake is suddenly a business person doesn't need to rely, say, on an analyst. This isn't necessarily directly engineering, but like essentially, if you don't need to rely on an analyst to run a SQL query for you to ask some sort of question about the data that you're storing, you can just ask that in plain English. Then suddenly, you know, the 
the world of development or technical practitioners starts to grow, not necessarily shrink. You know, when we have these new types of technologies, sometimes there's this like reaction that, oh no, like it's going to take away jobs. But in reality, it's like expanding the number of people who can actually have access to this type of thing and allow people who are maybe more technically proficient to do their job more efficiently and focus on like larger, you know, gnarlier, more difficult to solve problems. And I think one of the things that it does besides potentially impacting the growth of of developer is back to like what you were saying is maybe this starts to change our definition or view of what a developer or an engineer or builder is uh, historically, because suddenly we're going to have people who uh, can essentially do some of the stuff like, like, you know, you mentioned Ben Popper being able to put together some type of application, but not necessarily have an engineering training using these different tools. Yeah. And I think that also goes back to, you know, another theme which comes up, which is, you know, there's more use of tools, but it doesn't necessarily in and of itself grow the understanding of what those tools are doing or how they're best leveraged, right? So that's another sort of like, I don't see it as a gap just yet, right? But a lot of our enterprise customers, particularly at Stack Overflow, are really worried about like, are developers going to start writing code they don't understand, right? Um, And so like, uh, and that's another area where I think AI can really help actually um, versus hurt, which is helping us understand uh, what the underlying technology is doing um, and aggregating knowledge and aggregating resources that explain those things, right? And going back to sort of Stack Overflow again, right? Like that's, you know, one of the things that our community has has done over and over and over again, millions of times over the last 10 years or so. Um, and so like, it's not just the democratization, it's building that understanding in that context as well. Yeah. This steer uh, from the enterprise of people potentially writing code that they don't understand, I mean, I think that's a potential fear that exists today too. People have been copying and pasting code from even books before the internet existed that they don't necessarily understand to do something. Or from Stack Overflow, yeah. yeah. Or from Stack Overflow. I mean, so I think maybe this creates a situation where it's done more scalably, but and there's other potential downsides. And that's one of the things I wanted to, to discuss as well. You mentioned that 42% of people who responded to the survey don't necessarily trust the AI today, which is probably in some ways, it, it, that feels good to me uh, that they don't necessarily trust it because there are problems that exist today that uh, you know we need to think through and try to solve. But what are some of the limitations of AI today in terms of its ability to help developers do their job? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, this is just my experience, which is as limited as sort of the industry itself, right? So we're all really learning about this topic kind of as we go. Um, You know, to your point, 42% of developers trusting AI, I think is healthy in a lot of ways, right? Like there's still lots of things to be figured out, you know, also as a bit of an optimist and with a skeptical group like developers, 42% is actually pretty good. So that was higher than I sort of guessed when we ran the survey initially. I think I'd maybe bet on 30%. So um, it was good to hear that piece. Um, But I think in terms of limitations, right? um, You know, I already talked a bit about, um, you know, challenges with context or understanding. You know, there's also the idea that AI and, and some content Um, can be a bit of a black box, right? So where is this knowledge coming from? Um, Where is the underlying data set being based off of? Um, How can I know that I can trust this thing or this tool that I'm using? 
um, how well does it help me given the context that I have as a human being, right? Um, so a good example there might, you know, going back to the enterprise being like, yes, this is the industry best practice, but it's not the code base of the giant enterprise that I'm working with. Um, and the latter, I really know better. Um, and so that's another limitation. Other challenges start to look like, and, you know, these are all very high level, but, um, you know, how do we socialize and standardize best practices in a world where AI is telling us what the, what it thinks is right? Um, and then last but not least, I think bias and sort of other pieces around how we recommend content um, uh, become a huge challenge. Um, and ultimately, a developer is only as skillful as sort of the content they're using uh, to find a solution, right? So a lot of those skill sets come in finding that solution. And um, so if the AI is recommending distressful content, that has a pretty negative impact. Yeah. And we've seen in the industry, you know, some recent exploits to to that end where, for example, um, you know, it's not uncommon for systems like ChatGPT to have hallucinations. And if you're asking for code, then it could hallucinate, for example, packaging. And then people can go and exploit that by creating a package called that thing that does something malicious. And that's actually an attack that has happened recently. And that that kind of supply chain problem for attacks is already like a big issue in the industry. And then suddenly if people are doing it by taking advantage of these hallucinations, it becomes even something that's even bigger and more prevalent and dangerous. Right, exactly. So. Yeah, and that's just one of many challenges I think the industry will face over the coming years. Yeah, so for like the last 15 years, I think Stack Overflow has played this, you know, critical role in the lives of engineers. You know, we like my, me personally and basically everyone that I've ever worked with has grown to rely on it for, you know, things like debugging help, code snippets, understanding, you know, weird errors and a multitude of other things. So what role does do you see Stack Overflow playing in this new world where someone can essentially ask a chatbot to have for help as easily as another person? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. It's actually a question I get almost every single day, so um, it's good good to to hear from you as well. Um, but I don't like fundamentally. My answer is I don't think it's an either or scenario. I think it's really about both, right? Um, so uh, like, there's a role for both things, as we sort of talked about. Um, you know, our community and the people within our community um, have a really, really strong presence, particularly around, you know, answering millions of questions and building up our knowledge base over the years, right? Humans are really good at building that new knowledge. Generative AI is not good at that, right? Um, you know, if you look at even OpenAI, it has a limitation, I think, most recently up to early last year, right? So we can't even show you that net new knowledge. Um, validating that new knowledge, so verifying it, choosing independent resources, understanding that knowledge and its interpretation, um, and then making connections between pieces of knowledge, right? Humans are really, really good at sort of saying, these two things go together. There's an error over here. It might be caused by this, right? So making those connections is really where like asking humans or even asking a community can be really, really valuable. Um, and I think Chatbots and AI are also valuable for a lot of other things, right? Like one of the things we think about those tools as being really strong at, at Stack Overflow is helping us discover content, discover the right answer, aggregation of content, driving comparisons between pieces of content, 
um, really thinking about explaining existing answers or going deeper, providing context, right, um, to a really specific scenario or situation. Um, and so I think there's actually a, a place for those two things to complement each other, right? When you start to talk about some of the industry problems around trusts, attribution, accuracy, feedback, and recognition, right? It's really about, you know, how do you do, how do you help the technologists find a solution? Um, when those two things come together, you sort of remove the burden on the technologist to have to choose which venue they're going to kind of go to and instead sort of say, like, how do you leverage the best of both? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I imagine like, like what you're saying here is how do you bring these worlds together? Like if I go and ask uh, an LLM for help on writing some piece of code, then I might also want to ask the community on, is this the best practice? Is this the most optimal solution? Those types of things. Because the LLM may or may not tell me the answer to that truthfully. So right. how do... And it can also break through hallucinations as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I talked to someone from um, Menton AI that is using generative AI for essentially um, um, uh, uh, drug design, for example. So they're able to generate new types of molecules. But then there's a lot of, he obviously, there's a ton of human work from trained scientists afterwards to take that sort of generated molecule and actually get it to something that's going to be able to be used by humans to you know, actually address some sort of disease. But it can serve as the inspiration for something that maybe a human wouldn't have thought about. And I think we're in a similar space from a coding perspective where potentially these types of coding assistants can actually be a breakthrough in terms of innovation uh, coming up with an idea that maybe we hadn't thought of before, but that's just a starting point. You still need a level of expertise to evaluate that solution. For There was a recent breakthrough on uh, matrix multiplication that was due to AI as well, and that was something that had believed to be like as uh, the optimal solution exists for 50 years, and it wasn't until we applied AI to kind of come up with something completely new and innovative, but then it took experts to figure out you know, what is actually the you know, the big O representation of, the, of this algorithm and is it a girl breakthrough and so forth. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think, um, you know, you sort of point out two things. One is um, the human in the loop, right? So uh, having that human in the loop of, of software development feels like it's as important as it ever was, even in a world with AI. Uh, just what the human does maybe shifts a little bit in that conversation um, and maybe goes back to that efficiency that we talked about earlier in the con conversation. Uh, it also reminds me of an anecdote a product manager on my team says pretty regularly, and he's a um, sort of very regular user of ChatGPT. And he he now says there's no such thing as writer's block, right? I always have a place to get started uh, if I you know you know give me the bullet points to get me started and thinking about this. And it's a brainstorming tool as well as you start to think about innovation. Yeah, it, it solves the blank page problem essentially for for everyone. Because uh, there are, you know, there's pockets of time when you just don't feel that creative or that motivated, and sometimes it can kind of get you over that uh, that that stage. So, can you share some insights into some of the new products that Stack Overflow is is launching or developing in the generative AI space? I know that there's your CEO has made some recent announcements, but what can you share about what's actually going on at Stack Overflow in the space? Yeah. So, um, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, about two weeks ago now, or uh, maybe a little bit more by the time this comes out, um, our CEO, Prashant, um, shared at a conference for developers in Berlin, uh, a new concept for us called Overflow AI. 
Um, an overflow AI is essentially an aggregation of uh, the generative AI solutions that we're working towards um, at Stack Overflow. And so my team has actually been kind of, you know, I didn't include this in my introduction, but my team is largely focused on building, deploying, and testing those solutions, right, at Stack Overflow. Um, so it's a cross-functional team of uh, folks from, you know, software engineering, design, data, um, data scientists, um, product managers, developers, analysts, you know, you name it. I think I said developers twice, but th this is a developer podcast, so important. Um, uh, but essentially those folks are, um, and we'll be building towards a set of alphas that we're releasing in the upcoming two to three weeks, um, available for the most part to the public, um, uh, which leverage some of the new generative technologies towards solving core problems. Um, for software engineers and for users of our site and for our platform. Um, so I'm happy to kind of walk through a couple of those if if that's helpful as well. Yeah, I would love to get a little bit uh, deeper essentially on what is sort of the user experience or what problems specifically are you so uh, trying to address through these technologies? What can I do essentially as a user of Stack Overflow? Yeah, stuff? yeah so uh, essentially I'll touch on two or three of them. You know, there's like six or seven. So um you know, if folks are interested in learning more, here's my welcome plug to go check it out. And you can sign up for those um, alpha products yourself at our Stack Overflow Labs page. I'm sure we can link in the notes. But um, essentially, uh, you know, we heard from developers in our user research that there were sort of uh, six core things that they struggled with. You know, take generative AI out of the picture and sort of help developers and technologists understand um, how we can you know, give them, like, we wanted to understand how we could give, provide more value. Um, the first is problem solving, right? So, you know, we hear from uh, many of our, our developers that they need to address problems um, in a new landscape or in a new role. Um, learning is another big one. So how do they leverage a new technology? Solutioning, right? How do you actually find a solution to a technical problem? Onboarding, which is, you know, when I'm new to a context, a solution, or a company, um, how do I come up to speed really quickly? Sharing their knowledge and then ultimately innovating as well. Um, so those are sort of the six core problems that we centered on in terms of that we thought were sort of both well suited for Stack Overflow to start to solve for, um, that were relevant to our audience, and that were also um, well suited for potentially building AI products on top of. Um, so one of the first things we thought about. Um, was, you know, search, right? So our existing search on Stack Overflow, um, you know, has its challenges. I think there's a fair amount of memes out there about the quality of our search and how hard it is to find content. Um, you know, and often, you know, a lot of our user feedback is I have to search the exact terms in order to get the content that I want. Or if I search from Google, that's great, but I can't search in the search bar, right? So, uh, one of the things we're doing is starting to rethink our search from the ground up um, and really moving towards semantic search as a first step. Um, but in steps two and three, really starting to tailor and personalize um, our search results um, for the user. Um, so that looks like everything from, you know, your skills as a developer to your proficiency in a particular topic um, to, you know, how what questions you've viewed recently uh, may all play into that set of rankers. Um, but, you know, really rethinking 
and re-enabling developers to ask natural language questions in our search box, as well as um, you know, providing and returning summarized answers across multiple resources um, that highlight the best practices across a variety of answers related to the search itself. So that's kind of one big thing that we've done to start. I'll pause there. Um, but search is sort of the first problem to solve, which is really about how do I discover the right content um, to help me solve my problem? And is it this piece that you talked about where you could essentially get a summary that maybe connects multiple, you know, answers across multiple questions that where the generative AI comes in that goes above and beyond sort of conventional information retrieval, ML-based techniques for search? Yeah, so that's right. So um, the way you can think about it is, you know, our viewpoint is not to post generated content on our site, right? Like our community has done a really good job of like aggregating and validating information. Instead, we're set sort of using an aggregated search summary to sort of say like across that aggregated, validated, attributed content, these are the most likely or most relevant pieces of content that we see, right? You know, one of the pieces of feedback that we get is often the, the answer that has the most upvotes is often the oldest, right? Um, so here is maybe the most relevant or the most frequently leveraged recently might be one way we could think about improving that ranking. Um, but it's also pulling in uh, that set of data points as of starting to, you know, aggregate answers. So you mentioned essentially the improvements around search. What are some of the other uh, 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 integrations of Gen AI or places where you're making investments from a price standpoint that users will be able to experience with some of these uh, um, uh, tools that are available in the lab? Yeah, so we're also thinking about a couple options on our Stack Overflow for Teams product, right? So the first is what we're calling enterprise knowledge ingestion. Um, so this is a concept um, that is essentially, you know, many of our customers on Stack Overflow for Teams, for those who don't know, Stack Overflow for Teams is sort of a private version of our Stack Overflow public website um, used by enterprises and other businesses. Uh, we have about 10,000 customers. Um, but enterprise knowledge ingestion is, is really getting at solving a core problem that organizations have, which is really onboarding, right? Um, they'll, they'll be really excited about the idea of a community um, internally built around asking and answering questions about their existing code base. Um, but when they first adopt the product, there's not really any content in there, right? So how do we help them identify which resources they already have um, might best kind of kickstart the development of that internal knowledge base, right? So we're using Gen AI to, you know, index and recommend um, which content, you know, for an individual enterprise is most relevant to that instance, um, and then, you know, create early not Q&A pairs for that community um, right in the platform. So um, starting to push on that um, as a solution. And so far, we've re received some really positive feedback from our team's customers um, that'll look at sort of external products like Confluence, Google Drive, GitHub, or ServiceNow um, with more integrations we're building out over time. But it's also sort of helping organize right? The community itself. So recommending tags um, and other pieces of content um, uh, to, to organize that community um, for our customers as well. How does uh, sort of community play a role with some of these tools? Like how do you bring community and sort of Gen AI or, or some of these, you know, I guess like it's not necessarily about Gen AI so, so much as 
the the solution that's actually available through through the AI system. How do you bring these two worlds together? Yeah, so I think it's there. I think about that question from two angles, right? One is how do we bring the community into the development of these products, and then how do we bring the community into the loop uh, when using those products, right? Um, and I think the first really looks like our methodology for building these products, which has been you know identifying and working with our community to identify those unmet needs, do user research, iterate, take their feedback, right? So standard kind of product development practices. Um, but on the community features side, I think it gets more nuanced, right? So uh, I'll give one example. We are building um, and we'll launch later this month uh, VS Code extension for the in, in the IDE, right? So um, if you think about that user experience really looks like enabling developers right from their IDE to think about um, and both ask questions and get an answer um, from generative AI, from Stack Overflow's knowledge base, or from a combination of both, um, get an answer or find a solution to their problems. Um, but then we're actually encouraging folks to um, start posting their learnings back to Stack Overflow, right? So bringing the uh, content or the conversation that they've had um, out into the public to then get feedback and validation or invalidation um, from the larger community. Um, so uh, aggregating that knowledge so it can be reused and then also aggregating that knowledge so it can be validated or invalidated is a core principle of that feature and that sort of product in particular. So that's just one example, but speaks to kind of like how we're thinking about like, you know, putting the human in the loop of, of each of those processes. Yeah, and by bringing this world of, you know, the Stack Overflow community directly into the tools of the trade that engineers are using, like like uh, their IDE, then you're also lowering the barrier to entry to actually using Stack Overflow, not only as a tool for helping you like solve a problem, but for actually contributing back to it. Because I don't have to like basically stop my workflow and go to Stack Overflow to post something I can, you know, contribute directly from from the tool that I'm in all day. Yeah. Plus long form documentation takes a long time. And, you know, that's sort of central to why Stack Overflow was successful in the first place is because it, you know, was brief and its ability to ask and get answers. And then what about the, in terms of the, you know, ML tool chain, are you leveraging existing, you know, open source products or, uh, you know, existing tooling or is a lot of this stuff, you know, built essentially from scratch or, or custom built in Stack Overflow? Um, so uh, we are leveraging um, some off-the-shelf products and some custom-built products. I think we're also exploring how we build our own products internally in terms of like advancing our internal knowledge of, of generative AI on our teams, right? Our teams are still new to the space. So it is a healthy mix of the two. So, so much of like the power of uh, AI and in particular like LLMs is about the quality of the training data and Stack Overflow probably owns one of the richest, if not the richest data set of engineering related content in the world. So how does kind of this massive knowledge base play into the, the AI plan that the company? Our data set is very rich, right? So, um, you know, not only do we have, you know, a viewpoint on which queries are most um, frequently used by developers, but we also have validated information around what acceptable answers look like, um, voting, commenting, all of that rich metadata kind of 
allows us to think about our data, not, not just from a sort of quality perspective, but also from a nuance perspective, right? Like there is validation, there's trust, there's attribution to our data set that's kind of baked into its core. Um, so right now, our plans to use that data are to use it to our community's advantage. Um, so what that looks like is, you know, as we learn from our community, um, which, you know, AI features that we build or, you know, broadly, which features on our platform we build that are more or less useful, um, we're going to feed that back into how we recommend you know, both solutions to users on our platform, content on our to users on our platform, and continue reinforcing our product quality with that data set overall. Um, the exact pieces of that plan are still being worked out, um, but high level, we're using it to reinvest in our community. Yeah. It does the sort of high quality of the data that you're putting into the training of these systems help solve some of the challenges that LMs tend to have around like, hallucinating information or, you know, some of the challenges that people might have with actually trusting the information that's coming from the AI? Yeah. So um, I would say we're early days in answering that question, but the short answer thus far is yes, right? Um, so uh, we are seeing some signal that um, our data is, is kind of better at under at predicting, you know, what a technologist might need in a given scenario. Um, so, you know, that's sort of the extent of what I can say right now, but I would say um, folks are, you know, internally excited about what that could present as an opportunity for us to better serve our audience, right? So, uh, yeah, that quality pairing that I talked about earlier is really central to that. And the validation from our community is also really central to that. So, so that piece is really, you know, at the heart of what we're thinking about. And how big is the team that's working on these these new products? And sort of what is that makeup of the team? Like, how is it structured? Yeah, so there are about 50 people across the teams that are working on this full time. Um, I would say about 100 people in the company have been involved with AI-related initiatives in some way, shape, or form. So that's, you know, in some way, shape, or form, it's one-fifth of the company dedicated. We have about 10% today. Um, you know, one of... Uh, and in terms of structure, it's myself and an engineering leader, our CTO, Jody Bailey, um, as well as uh, partners in data engineering, data science, um, product design, product research, who are leading that effort. And then we have about five teams that are working on developing the products across the organization. Um, so that's the kind of dedicated team structure. Um, but, you know, one of the cool side effects that we've seen from this is as those teams have started working on generative AI products, it's sort of expanded across the organization unofficially, right? So it's pretty been pretty fun to watch. Like, um, you know, as my team started shipping early stage solutions, uh, we started seeing teams across the organization who are not in the dedicated set of teams being like, hey, that looks pretty cool. Why don't we try that too? And, and started adopting AI products as well. So I expect that uh, we'll move from a more dedicated um uh, team there to expanding and you know thinking about generative AI and its positive use cases for our community uh, more broadly across the organization going forward. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I think one of the things that we didn't really touch on earlier when we were talking about the sort of big picture impact that this might have to like the software engineering industry is that not only does it, it you know create situations where people can you know operate more efficiently using these tools to do their job or or lower the barrier to entry to being able to do some level of coding but it also means that um 
essentially by leveraging some of these third-party uh, like APIs and tools that exist from like OpenAI and other other platforms is you can build and bake AI into your product without necessarily being an expert or academic. You know, like 10 years ago, that was not necessarily the case. Like now you can essentially make a, call, a handful of API calls and be doing something where you're generating an image uh, based on a plain text prompt or something like that. And it feels like magic. And it is in, in many ways, but it essentially allow, allows anybody to kind of be like an AI engineer to some degree. Or so not, you know, they're not necessarily building the AI themselves, but they're leveraging it in a tool. It's another tool in your tool belt as a developer. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I talked to someone in the industry recently, and he was sort of saying like the first wave of excitement around generative AI was really around code completion, right? And he's he was sort of mentioning he's seeing the emergence of what he's calling a second wave, which is like what you just described, which is how do I adopt AI in my developer workflow, right? And pretty soon, a lot of us are going to be building AI products. And what does it mean to actually be building those AI products? How do I leverage them? What does that discussion start to look like? Um, and I'll give a quick plug for two things we're working on in here is actually led right into that. But uh, uh, you know, we did also announce um, recently a Stack Exchange site for discussions about generative AI. So for folks who have questions on its use, um, you can uh, go to genai.stackexchange, uh, I think is the right URL, um, but we can correct in the notes if not, um, uh, where folks are starting to ask questions about how they leverage um, Gen AI in their workflows, as well as community discuss um, discussions um, within our collectives, which are so sort of subsets of our knowledge base on Stack Overflow um, about machine learning, right? So um, we're seeing increasingly folks in the developer space interested in discussing that application almost as much as understanding which AI products are out there um, to be leveraged. <laughs> yeah, th that's great because I think Right now, like the source of information where I get a lot of that stuff is uh, is Twitter, which is not necessarily the most reliable community to be getting my tech ex uh, information from. So I, I would love to go to a place that maybe has a little bit more control and uh, and and uh, quality control over, over the information I'm getting. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this, you know, I, I've I've said some more things in the past. Like it reminds me of uh, you know big um, uh, you know paradigm shifts in in development in the past, like the introduction of the internet or the introduction of smartphones, where essentially part of what you need to learn as a developer is not necessarily, you don't need to necessarily learn how to build, uh, you know, a huge neural network from scratch, but I need to know what it is I can do with these tools so that I can essentially build better applications that leverage some of this technology. Yeah. I don't need to build the magic, but I need to know how to leverage the magic to make the magic happen. Yeah. What are some of the the you know hard problems that you've had to solve along the way with some of these like new product investments? Are there like particular challenges that come to mind that you ha had to work through as a team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say this: this is one of the biggest challenges of my career. I mean, you know, I've only been in product for about ten years, so maybe maybe that's saying a little bit less. But ultimately, um, we face a lot of challenges in this work, and I think think we'll continue to do so as well. So, the big one overall is. Um, you know, it sounds cliche, but just like everyone on this podcast, you know, Gen AI is fairly new to all of us, right? So we're adopting new technologies and we don't know what we don't know. So there was a lot of us wrestling with 
Um, you know, how do we implement tests or validation against core use cases um, that we don't even know they really exist, right? So everything from red hatting to, um, you know, thinking about trust and safety issues to thinking about our community's reaction to particular um, types of Gen AI and use cases for Gen AI. Um, so uh, starting to think clearly about like those implications, even before the industry standard existed, I think was a really big challenge for the teams. Um, uh, and I think we've learned a lot, right? So, you know, uh, one of the things I really appreciate about this space is uh, that folks share what they're learning. And so, you know, looking at other companies who are trying and, and failing with similar things um, and sort of stealing those learnings has been a big opportunity for us. We talk constantly internally about, you know, what worked, what didn't work, do we need to pivot? Um, you know, are we able to find the right solution or should we abandon this solution given our inability to, to, to touch on some of those risks? So sort of a learning about the industry as we build in a new industry has been a big challenge. Um, the other is, um, you know, and I think this is new to all of us, but like, what is really the value of these products, right? Like, I think the entire industry is very excited to leverage Gen AI, um, but as a product person, I'm always uh, a healthy skeptic for, um, let's make sure this adds value. Um, and, but, you know, none of us really know how much value things will add. Right. So um, because we're playing in a new space and we're playing in a, a space that, you know, doesn't have a lot of concept of, you know, you know, we talk about AI summarized answers um, and like we think that will add a lot of value. We're seeing a lot of positive signal from our users, um, but we don't know how exactly we'll land. Right. So um, dealing with the scope of unknowns, I think, has been another challenge. And that's more of a human challenge than a technology one. Yeah, and I think that's another sort of byproduct of any like new big like paradigm shifts in the way that people are interacting with technology. You're really at, at everybody's basically at the forefront of this, and we're trying lots of things. And we'll probably look back at this time in our history five or ten years from now and laugh at a lot of like the the product ideas that came out of that. And just like we laugh at like the dot com boom and bust of you know pets dot com and all this sort of stuff that. You know, in retrospect, didn't make any sense, but I'm sure it made sense to somebody at the time, uh, at some level, right? But people were just kind of throwing things at the wall to try to try to figure it out. One of the other things that you mentioned there, I think, is a really interesting space and opportunity actually for for new um, startups or new types of tools is essentially what is the like developer tooling that needs to be created to take advantage of some of these uh, you know, new ways of doing development. Like you mentioned testing, for example. And we see that as well as like when smartphones and people are building mobile apps came in, suddenly using and applying things that had historically been done for desktop applications didn't necessarily work that well for the mobile platform. And then a whole new set of tools came along that were developed that led to you know, uh, an explosion in industry. And I think we'll probably be in a similar place when it comes to some of leveraging some of this AI technology as well. Right. Like there are some things that still apply and there are some things that no longer apply and we're trying to figure out what fits in each category at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we start to wrap up, uh, Alan, do you have anything else that you'd uh, like to share about some of the things that are going on in Stack Overflow or just general thoughts uh, related to the space? Yeah. So uh, in terms of Stack Overflow, we are launching a number of alphas um, for our generative AI products. 
under the Overflow AI umbrella over the coming weeks. Um, so if you go to the Stack Overflow Labs page, which we'll link, um, you can uh, sign up to either participate in those alphas or get early access. Um, so I encourage as many of you as possible to do so, um, as well as sign up for a newsletter in terms of understanding uh, more about what's coming up next for us. Um, we'll be collecting feedback on those alphas in August, September, October, and then you know, if we see value um, and our, our community sees value in those things, we'll bring them to scale um, over the latter part of the year and into early next year as well. Um, so be on the lookout for those things, um, both for Stack Overflow Public and Stack Overflow for Teams. Um, and then in terms of the overall space, I think I'm personally really excited um, uh, going back to the very beginning of the episode when we talked about access, right? Um, it's really exciting to me, and I think I'm certainly watching out to sort of see um, if that thesis proves out, right? Like, does AI actually make things more accessible, more fair, more democratized across the industry? That's my hope. Um, you know, whether that actually happens, I think is a different question. Um, but I'll be watching out for signal around that, that theme in particular. Well, Alan, thanks so much for being here. Uh, you know, I think like so many people in our industry, I've been using Stack Overflow for years. I'm excited to see some of these, you know, new product lines and, uh, you know, I need to get on the alpha list myself and also join the newsletter and hopefully start, you know, avoiding Twitter and using Stack Overflow for my information and knowledge exchange related to the Gen AI space. Sounds like a great plan, Sean. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Have a great day.